This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. In a few short moments, we'll be checking in with John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. We'll see what's going on in this uh, wild real estate market that continues uh, to catch fire, but are some uh, interesting things on the horizon. We'll find out from John coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. The Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver says January home sales were down 5% from a year earlier, but it's due mainly not because people aren't wanting to buy. There's just nothing to buy. It's a lack of listings. And if that continues, it likely means higher prices as more buyers fight over fewer homes. The board says new listings dropped 7% in January from the same month last year. And MLS inventory is less than half of what they feel would be optimal to begin this year. It says fierce competition for a scarce number of properties has pushed the prices up. The benchmark price was up 18.5% year over year to more than an average of $1.2 million. Uh, The board's economist, Keith Stewart, says conditions in the market also remain tight due to a lot of people taking advantage of low interest rates. Four Vancouver area First Nations have signed an agreement to work with Vancouver, Whistler, and the Canadian Olympic and Paralympic committees on a potential bid to host the 2030 Winter Olympics in the Lower Mainland. The Lilwat, Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations first floated the idea of an Indigenous-led partnership in December. If the initial exploration is encouraging, a formal bid could be submitted to the International Olympic Committee by this fall, making it the first Indigenous-led bid for an Olympic Games ever, anywhere. Police say a 19-year-old driver with a novice license uh, faces a host of penalties after being caught going nearly three times the speed limit. In North Vancouver, RCMP said the driver was caught on radar doing 225 Ks an hour in an 80 zone last weekend. Police say the driver also failed a roadside screening test for alcohol in what they describe as, quote, an extreme example of recklessness. The driver has lost their license for 90 days, their vehicle for 30 days, and has been hit with fines and costs climbing into the thousands of dollars. And a New Jersey man who posed as a former New England Patriots player in order to buy and sell Super Bowl rings that he claimed were gifts to Tom Brady's family has pleaded guilty to fraud. Prosecutors say back in 2017, Scott Spina Jr. bought a Patriots 2016 Super Bowl championship ring from a player who uh, then left the team. He then sold the ring, but he used the player's information to contact the ring company and uh, make it like he was from the team, and he wanted to buy three more Super Bowl rings with Brady engraved on them, saying that they were gifts for Tom Brady's baby. Uh, But he's now uh, uh, pleaded guilty 
<laughs> to fraud. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate, guiding us through the opportunities out there in the world of real estate in this market will be John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. And he's got uh, some listings he wants to talk about. You can see what you can get for how much money in this real estate market. This is all when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And we are talking real estate with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. And that's where you can find him online, johnnysmartpoint.com. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing great, Martin. Great to be back again. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, it's more of the same, it seems like, but there might be some changes on the horizon. Uh, there was a story this past week from the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver saying that January home sales were down 5%. Less homes were being sold. And that's that's a statistic that you need to put some, you know, some some context to. And the reason why it's because the number of listings is so low. So I guess it continues to be a seller's market with inventory. That is things on the market being very low. There's just not a lot of stuff to buy. No. And, um, you know, as a lot of listeners, I'm sure realize the listings that are out there tend to be selling pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, typically, I mean, I've been doing this a number of years and typically December and January are not big listing months anyways. You know, there are always people at any times of the year who might want to put their home on the market for various reasons, but typically around Christmas, things slow down and people have other focus, um, the weather changes and all that stuff. And then on an average typical market year, which this past year is not really, but on an average typical year, you start to see new listings hit in February and then March and April, the spring market kind of blooms and the buyers come out of the woodwork a little bit more and things take off again. But when you look at these past, say, three to six months we've just been through, we've seen record imbalance of super strong demand and limited supply that's created some problems. Um, people who may have sold in September, October, November might have found that they weren't able to find their next property as, as quickly as they thought. And, you know, some of them might be renting or staying with family or couch surfing even <laughs> and the number of listings that are you know traditionally hit this time of year is not that strong so we're carrying right through with that same sort of feeling that we had that same trend that last year 2021 ended on and that is again very strong demand uh, and we're going to talk about i think some of the reasons for that and a limited supply so when i look at the stats and i see that january is down a little bit in sales and it's because uh, you know, there are not that there's not that much product to buy. It, it makes perfect sense to me. I'm a little bit surprised that it's only five percent. I happen to, you know, know anecdotally of many, many people who I've talked to in the last, say, six months or so, who are really looking forward to getting into the market and having their place on the market and selling and, and rebuying. But they're they're scared, Martin, to you know, to, to get into the kind of a market where they have to compete against those desperate buyers who have been couch surfing for two months, maybe, and are ready to throw everything they got at the next listing that hits. So, and that's some of the advice I've given to some of the people that I've, that I've met lately. If, if you're not a, uh, you know, a highly motivated buyer, if we're talking about buyers here, uh, or if you need to sell and purchase again, if you're not highly motivated to do that, you have to remember that you might be in competition 
for the very few listings that meet your criteria with other buyers who are much more motivated than you are. And so I think we're going to talk about this as the program goes on today. But right now, we've been in, a, in an extremely um, tight market for uh, supply, given the demand out there. But I think there could be, you know, some changes and, and potentially good news on that front uh, in the near horizon. Right. And and just right now in the short term, this fierce competition for properties uh, has meant that the benchmark price was pushed year to year 18.5% higher. Uh, so the, the benchmark price, the average home, $1.2 million. So they're selling for a lot of money, but... You mentioned uh, things that are coming up on the horizon. And the one thing that uh, people are talking about are interest rates. The Bank of Canada kept their interest rates the past couple of weeks uh, steady. They didn't change them, but they did signal that the next time they meet later in the spring, interest rates could get bumped up slightly. And they don't know exactly, they're not saying exactly how much, but um, that could have a huge impact on the lower mainland real estate market if interest rates go up? What do you see in that department? Yeah, and that's a, a great question that's on a lot of people's minds as well. I'm not an economist, so everything I, I, you know, you and I talk about on this program is really my opinions as a, as a professional real estate agent, nothing more. But interest rates are a part of the equation. There's no doubt about it. And when rates have historically been low, it's, uh, you know, the, when it's cheap to borrow money, more people borrow more money than they would otherwise, and they compete against one another. And it's kind of like just bringing more ammunition to a gunfight. So with what's going on in the world regarding inflation, and again, I'm not an economist, it seems to make sense that, um, you know, the feds will want to bring that under control. And I think there was a pretty strong message when the rates were held in this most recent announcement. I think that there was a very strong message that get ready because the rates will go up. And, and when that happens, a couple things occur. You know, from a buyer's point of view, suddenly a buyer who knows the rates might go up half a point realizes his or her purchasing power is going to diminish a bit. They want to act before that. And so I think that's already baked into the cake with what's going on right now. There is a little bit of a fear of missing out. Some people want to get in there and buy before rates go up. And that's that's normal. Uh, and once rates do go up, most buyers have a 90-day rate guarantee. So, you know, the, the party carries on to a degree the way it was while those rate holds are in effect. But, of course, when you limit the supply of money that people can borrow, it, it does tend to cool off the market. And, and the second thing that it does is it sends a signal to buyers or investors that, you know, maybe we should not expect to continue to see returns and, and price increases carry on the way they have been because we're in a slightly different financial market in a different environment. So an interest rate you know, does affect the way the market operates for sure. And I think that's coming, whether or not it'll be mild or severe or how long it will go up or, you know, is really anyone's guess. But that is something that's coming. And it's, I think, again, one of the factors pushing a lot of people to take advantage of the low rates now while they're available. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. We're talking to John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com is his website. He's known as Johnny Smartpoint. That's his email address, info at JohnnySmartPoint.com. And you can also phone him the old-fashioned way on the telephone, 604-612-0080, And uh, so the, the future is... Uh, is going to be interesting, you know, for the time being, things are strong, historically high prices 
for property. So, I mean, obviously you don't like to predict exactly what's going to happen uh, because timing the market is, is, you know, it's kind of a fool's game, but what do you say to somebody who maybe is thinking about selling a property who, who maybe, you know, wants to downsize or upsize even Um, is this a time to jump into the lower mainland real estate market? Great question. And again, it, it, it depends on the situation of the, potential seller, I suppose. I kind of see, um, I it, I guess mentally, now that I'm just thinking this through, since you asked me the question, I, I see the market and the people in the market kind of divided into two camps. Uh, there are people who um, want to sell and they're getting ready to retire and they, maybe they've got already got a second accommodation or a, you know, a, a cabin they can go to or they're moving to a, another market that is not a, a pressure market. And those people have a lot of flexibility. And those are kind of like the kings and queens of the market. They don't have to worry about buying again. And they can enter this market. And and what I tell people like that is, you know, statistically right now, if you look at the supply and demand, because that's what drives everything, we're still in a seller's market. And statistically, it is likely that prices may continue to go up a little bit for the near in the near future. But uh, if, if you're thinking of selling, you don't have anything to buy, you might want to consider these next three months or so, because in my uh, opinion, with some of the changes that may be coming, we might start to see the market balance off, uh, balance out a little bit. Um, so from a seller's point of view, if you're in that camp, you know, it's hard to imagine things getting a whole lot better, uh, unless you believe that prices can go up indefinitely at the rate they've been going up, which I, I don't believe can happen. So Again, rates are still low, lots of good things. The next three months for a seller is wonderful. But in the other camp, you know, I have people, uh, you know, I, I met someone who said, you know, hey, John, we're, we really like our house, but we just want to cash out a couple hundred thousand, a few hundred thousand dollars equity. So we're looking for kind of the same house, but further east. And, you know, if we find it, it's really great, then, you know, we'll be happy to, you know, to, to make that move. But, you know, if we don't, we're pretty happy where we're at. And to those people, I say, you know, you might want to wait just a little bit because, again, selling is going to be great, but the buying part, you know, how do you want to handle this? How would you sleep knowing that you needed to be out of your house in three months? Or how would you how would you like to buy a house before you even sell and have to kind of make sure that everything goes well? If you don't have a, a high level of motivation to do that, then my feeling is that as the spring carries on and some of these... Um, people who want to get into the market but have been hesitant they, they might feel a little bit more comfortable in in say april may and june than than they do now so my feeling is the listing inventory is going to take off like it does every spring um, and if interest rates go up a little bit that may cool the demand side just a little bit and i think that if you want to coordinate a, a purchase and a sale in the same market especially if it's say like in the detached housing market in greater vancouver you're looking for a house with a basement suite. These are like super hot properties. Chances are your selection will be much better in three months than it is now. So I never tell people to wait. I never tell people to act now. But I do think there are sort of two different camps of uh, of potential home sellers. Those that are ready to cash out with no other concerns. This is a fantastic time to do that. Those who want to make a more thoughtful transition from the house they're in to the other, to, to their next property without feeling too pressured those people are probably better off getting prepared, but waiting to see uh, a market that's got a little bit more uh, choice for them as buyers. And I think right there is proof positive that you want to have a professional real estate 
uh, expert on your side who sort of sees the whole picture because it's not always a case of people going to johnnysmartpoint.com, calling you up, you put the house on the market and you sell it. Sometimes you work with people, you don't rush them. You, you maybe create a situation where like later in the spring, you put the house up for sale, maybe even next year, but it's never too early to kind of get that into motion. And you're not going to rush people into just selling the house right away. No, that would be, uh, you know, I would have trouble sleeping in that case, uh, you know, at night. So, you know, I want to be comfortable with my clients and have them be comfortable and have their eyes wide open, so to speak. So yeah, it's, you know, giving the right advice to people and helping them, you know, oftentimes now, Martin, I'll, I'll meet people and I can tell by the questions they're asking that they've been paying attention for a long time. I mean, the questions are on point. They're the right questions to ask. And honestly, they, they know the answers already. And, you know, a lot of clients I've met lately, I've said to them, I don't know if I'm telling you a whole lot that you don't already know, but usually I'm able to provide a few insights that maybe they haven't thought of before. And if nothing else, sometimes I can help them, you know, solidify what maybe they've already suspected about the market. So right now, you know, it's funny, 10 years ago or when the market was much more stable, I would show up to a property with, you know, an evaluation pretty much already done based on what's going on in the market and and stable sales and prices and that sort of thing. Well, now I tend to meet people first. I want to see the home. If they want an evaluation, it's always good if I see that property first and and check what's you know what the competition's been doing very recently because it's a volatile market. But mostly, I think people want to talk. And uh, yeah. as long as these people are serious and want to sell in the near future, giving them some advice and you know throwing some thoughts at them seems to be what people really need right now. And that's why people go to johnnysmartpoint.com. To talk to John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. 604-612-0080 is the number. And you can always email him at info at johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, we're talking about the lower mainland real estate market. And if you go to johnnysmartpoint.com, you can see what's out there. And you have an interesting property in Maple Ridge that I want to talk about. And uh, we'll, we'll hear more about that and some of the other properties and, and what you can get uh, for your money uh, in the lower mainland. And that's all when we come back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking to John Carlson. Uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. Uh, the phone number is 604-612-0080, and the email is info at johnnysmartpoint.com. And if you go to johnnysmartpoint.com, the website, you can see the listings. And uh, there's an interesting one, John, uh, in Maple Ridge. Uh, and uh, the headline is, have it all, which I love. I think that sounds good. So tell us yeah. about this listing. I'm happy to talk about this one because uh, this is a brand new listing. It just hit the market a couple of days ago. We're having showings uh, this weekend and uh, they're by appointment only. We're not doing open houses because of COVID, but uh, have your agent contact me uh, in the usual ways or contact me yourself and I can set up viewings. And we're looking at offers on this property uh, Wednesday, uh, the 9th. So uh, at four o'clock. So you've got some time on this one. And this is, this is a fantastic listing. Um, it, it's a townhouse in Maple Ridge. The list price is six ninety nine nine, And we're going to anticipate a, a price that's above that. We can talk about that after, but this is a three bedroom townhome. It's almost 1700 square feet. It's got a private backyard, uh, very private actually. And, uh, you know, nicely updated. I've got the photos, I've got the 3d tours. You can walk through it. I've got the floor plans and all that sort of stuff there. And it's in a great 
townhouse complex on a cul-de-sac. It's quiet. You can, you know, kids can walk to school. There's Harry Hoog Elementary School just up the street. And it, it's a very popular place. So this one is a longtime uh, friend and client that I've worked with before. And uh, she's got a, a great spot there. And we're going to have, we've already booked up, I think, probably 20 showings for the weekend. And it's going to be a busy one. Uh, and that's because it's a good property. So take a look at it. The address is number 22. And the street address is 22900, 126th Avenue. And it's listed at 699.9. And the thing I like, it's a cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sacs can be such a little gems in neighborhoods when you're in a cul-de-sac. Yeah, kids and pets. And by the way, those things are all allowed here. It's so much better when it's low traffic. And and here's a trend that you know probably most listeners are aware of, that the detached housing market has been the biggest gainer in terms of uh, prices over these last, say, six months and a year. And a lot of times, you know, they, they the prices get out of reach of, of some buyers, younger families and that sort of thing. So the alternative gets a lot more popular. And the alternative sometimes to a detached house is, a townhouse that has garage parking and driveway parking right in front like this one and a yard at the back where you can let your dog out and kids can play and that sort of thing. So this is this really fits that description for people who maybe still want that yard and, and easy parking. They're not ready for condos or, you know, being packed too tightly together. This one really fits the bill there. So great place for young families. I've worked in the development, you know, many times before and it's it's a good one. I see road hockey being played there. I can, I can see it. Yeah. You and I probably used to do that quite a bit. I know I did. Yes, absolutely. A few um, dance yeah, in so, the cars, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I, see, I see a garage door there that I would have uh, destroyed yes. probably. Yes. Um, but that we're looking at the price of six ninety nine nine, Um, and, uh, as you say, uh, you're taking offers on Wednesday and uh, you, you expect it to go for a little bit more than that. So how does that work? You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because this is another thing that, that people ask. And I, I like to try to explain it as best I can, because I think, and rightfully so, I think a lot of buyers are tired of uh, seeing a lower price and expecting to pay more, but that's kind of become expected to some degree. Now, every listing could be different. Some listings are priced really low and they're probably going to sell significantly over the list price where other people will maybe price closer to what they expect. And so it, it, and it's a bit of a guessing game. And, and to tell you the truth, even from, a, from a, a realtor's point of view, a buyer's agent, when I'm representing one of my clients on a purchase, it's, it's hard to predict in a multiple offer situation, if you're up against other buyers, what some of those other buyers might, might do in terms of offering price. Um, and some of them might be more motivated than others. But I can tell you that, generally speaking, the rationale behind it is this. If there is a limited number of available properties that might fit a certain segment, which is definitely the case nowadays, it's usually very good advice you know, and I would give this advice in the most times, if you're a, a desirable property, again, with, you know, there's a lot of uh, potential buyers out there and you have limited competition, it's probably good advice to make sure that you're the best one of that limited competition, because let's just say there's 10 buyers and there's three listings and they're all looking at offers on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or something like that. Well, I'll find that the one that tends to be the standout will get 10 offers and maybe the one that's not will get two or three offers because people tend to focus on buying their first choice, not their second choice. So being attractive, even in a limited segment in terms of, of competition is very important because the multiple offer situation is 
one of the driving factors of having prices, you know, up a little higher than you might expect because there's some psychology involved there and there's a little bit of pressure uh, there or more than a little bit sometimes on the buyers to step, put their best foot forward and, and not play any games and just, you know, come up with the best they can. So again, most of my clients are home sellers. I do represent buyers, but they tend to be the people whose homes I've already sold. Uh, and, and it's a good, it's good advice to put a, um, you know, an attractive list price within reason um, that's going to generate that multiple offer situation. Uh, because quite frankly, if I'm, you know, the listing agent and, you know, it's, it's offer day and I'm getting calls from 10 different agents saying, hey, John, how many offers do you have my clients? And these are these are normal conversations that you have on offer day. It's much better to be able to tell people, hey, you know, we've got six or eight or 10 offers than one or two or three, because chances are you'll get cleaner offers, unconditional perhaps, and you'll get people putting their best foot forward right off the bat. And, and that's always a good formula for a seller. So my apologies to uh, listeners out there and buyers who are tired of the, uh, you know, list price versus sale price situation where some of these sale prices are significantly higher. These are conversations that sellers are having with their agents. They're making decisions on how to go forward. And there definitely is merit in terms of, uh, in, in the idea of putting a very reasonable price on the home, on the property, so that when the buyers look at the four examples they have in front of them, that yours is the favorite or one of the favorite, because then you're going to get the action. It's just that kind of a market. And if you want to see this town home, just go to johnnysmartpoint.com and click on the listings tab and you'll see it. It's uh, listed at 699.9 or 699,000. And, uh, and you can see it at, uh, at johnnysmartpoint.com. We're talking to John Carlson, AKA Johnny Smart Point. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about these kind of high prices, um, uh, commission is, is a huge part of that. And you're a 2% realtor. And if people go to your website, uh, they can actually see right on the homepage, a table of what a 2% realtor can do for you. And, in, I mean, the obvious thing is it, it can save you a lot of money from the typical, uh, commission structure of the typical real estate agent. So that's a very big part of the whole Johnny smart point philosophy, isn't it? Yes. And I want to just back up and be very cautious, not to necessarily use the word typical because, uh, although it's probably not a bad word, um, <laughs> commissions are negotiable and there are different business models out there. But, uh, you know, by far the majority of agents will charge more than just 2%. So I, right. compared to most of my competition, I do save clients a fair bit of money. And you're right, with prices up the way they are, uh, you know, commissions are a factor. You want to think about that. And, and when I'm, you know, looking at a million dollar sale or a $2 million sale, we're looking at commission savings compared to the the 7% of the first 100,000 and two and a half or 3% of the balance of sale price. When you're just a straight 2% commission, the difference, you know, just mathematically is 35% or sometimes more. So you can save good money compared to a lot of my comp competition uh, by working with me. And, and that's just a business decision that I made. Um, I wanted to put the best value proposition I could out to my clients. And again, I've said this before, I would never suggest that you hire, you know, a real estate agent or a lawyer or a doctor maybe, or anyone else who has any value based solely on the price. Uh, and I think most people recognize that, but that's kind of where the smart point comes in. If, if you can get an agent that is a top performer year after year after year with a good track record, why not, you know, 
put a little 10 or $20,000 tax-free money extra in your pocket when it's all said and done, because let's face it, real estate's a big investment and you need to maximize it when you sell. And John, uh, you've been doing this a long time and uh, you've sold more than a thousand properties in the lower mainland. And, and if you look at this, this table on your website, like uh, this townhouse, which is listed at uh, about $700,000, uh, a 2% realtor compared to m most other brokers, uh, that would save you $8,000 in the sale. $8,000, that's pre-tax income, or I, like that's just money in your pocket. And I think that's a lot of money. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, you know, it's in the, in this kind of market, that's it, important, like I say, to, to save that kind of money if, if you can. And I think every person, when I'm out shopping for a goods or service, I look at the value proposition, you know, how good is the product or service versus the price of it. And that's kind of where the Johnny smart point idea comes from. So, uh, another thing I'll mention is, you know, commission is collected by the listing brokerage and it's, split between offered out half of it usually or, or close to half of the percentage is offered out to the buyer's agent and oftentimes i'll get the question gee if you know if we don't offer out as much commission to buyer's agents will we still get the same support from the other agents and and you know that's a common question so just if i have a moment i'll just address that right now and let people know that if if, if there's a real estate agent representing a client that agent has a duty to show them all the available properties and you know not put commission first but to you know, look after the needs of the client first. And that's the way it should be. And that's the way it is. I'm happy to say that, you know, the, the agents I work with are ethical people and understand that. And, and that's great. But there's also the fact that, you know, like you touched on, Martin, prices are not low. And if you're buying a house for $1.8 million and I'm offering out a 1% buyer's agent commission, because that's how it works, 2%, one for my company, one for the buyers, I negotiate both sides of that commission structure for you on your behalf when I represent you as a, as a seller of a home. Well, 1.8 million, that's an $18,000 buyer's agent commission. It is still not cheap, but the savings is pretty significant or could potentially be pretty significant. So most buyers look at that and say, you know what, I'm happy with that and I want to go forward with it. And especially in a market like this where choice is so limited, I just want you know potential sellers to understand that you can list with me and save some commission compared to most of the other people you talk to and still get, you know, full service, full results, you know, the, the whole the whole thing. There is nothing cut uh, or left off the table when you work with me simply because I might have a lower commission than the other guy you talk to. And that's where the smart point comes in. Johnny smart point, John Carlson. Uh, and if you go to johnnysmartpoint.com, uh, you can learn everything you need to know about John. You can see uh, those listings and you can also see the table of, of how... Uh, John can literally save you thousands of dollars in commission. And uh, you can email him at info at johnnysmartpoint.com or just give him a call. You love getting phone calls, don't you? I love the phone. Call me, text me, or yeah, email John at johnnysmartpoint's another good one. Yeah, the phone number is 604-612-0080. Uh, well, I guess the next month is going to be busy for you. So so thanks and uh, best of luck. And we will talk to you in a, a couple of weeks. Thank you. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, have a great, uh, great, great time. Yeah, John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. And when we come back, the federal conservatives are on the hunt for a new permanent leader. Up next, how they got there. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Not a great week for former Conservative Party leader Aaron O'Toole. He started the week telling the Conservative caucus that there were two paths 
before them. That was Monday night. By Wednesday, they decided to take the path that didn't include Aaron O'Toole. Conservative MPs decisively voted to plunge the party into its third leadership contest since Stephen Harper stepped down in 2015. In the end, it wasn't close. 73 MPs voting to remove O'Toole and just 45 lining up to support him. In a recorded statement posted to social media Wednesday afternoon, O'Toole said that he accepted the results of the vote, but he had some parting shots for the party. He said that what Canadians deserve from a conservative party is balance, ideas, and inspiration. And that sentiment does make some sense, especially to the conservatives who believe that the party desperately needs to reinvent itself to be more relevant to voters in 2022, but at the same time, to his detractors, it will just reinforce the idea that as leader, Aaron O'Toole was too much about balance and that he really sacrificed the party's core ideology in a failed pursuit of power. The anger at O'Toole and his advisors had been heating up, especially after they lost the election, as O'Toole pushed the Tories toward the political center. This was a very different Aaron O'Toole than the one who first ran for the leadership of the Conservatives during that leadership race. That Aaron O'Toole talked about scrapping the liberal so-called carbon tax. But O'Toole, the leader, talked about the need of putting a price tag on pollution, while the O'Toole of the leadership race talked about the liberals' runaway spending. The O'Toole of the 2021 campaign promised a decade of deficit spending that rivaled Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's own plans. Most Conservative MPs went along with the policy pivot, mainly because they thought it would help them win. But when that didn't happen, and the party actually lost ground in crucial regions and among important constituencies, the simmering anger really started to boil over publicly. And that showed as the 73 MPs voted for a fresh start. Then they later named Manitoba MP Candace Bergen as interim leader. And uh, you can Google Candace Bergen and see her wearing a Donald Trump MAGA hat. So you can see what direction they've gone to with the interim leader. As for the next step for the Conservatives, it won't be easy to get the party back on track. There's really no clear favorite at the moment, Earlier this week, both Ontario Premier Doug Ford and Alberta Premier Jason Kenney said they are not interested in the job, they are uh, not interested in federal leadership and are instead focused on their respective provinces. And I guess when you're busy being wildly unpopular in your home province, it's hard to start thinking about being wildly unpopular on a national level. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Thanks to our guest this afternoon, John Carlson. You can reach him online at johnnysmartpoint.com and Macmillan Estate Planning. Uh, You can go to macmillanestate.com and sign up for their virtual seminars this Wednesday, February 9th at 5.30 Pacific time. And then there's one Saturday morning, February 12th at 9 a.m. And you can hear Vancouver Consumer every Saturday from 2 to 4 in the afternoon. Thanks to our producer, Leo Coejo. I'm Martin Strong, and the news is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.